This morning, uh, we're going to continue in our study through the Gospels, and uh, presently we, we are in the Gospel of Matthew, and so I would ask that you would, with, uh, with your Bible, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. The title of this morning's message is pretty simple. Uh, it's the parable of the soils, and I, I know that you are familiar with the par- parable of, of the soils, or the sower, as... Um, Uh, Some uh, have titled this, and I know perhaps in your Bibles also this section is titled The Parable of the Sower. But I have titled it The Parable of the Soils, and I'll share with you in a few moments why it is that I've titled it in that way. Now, uh, I know you've sat down, so I'm going to go ahead and let you stay seated. Would you like to stay seated, or would you like to stand to your feet? Stand to your feet? Let's stand. It's the Word of God. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to read... Uh, The first nine verses in Matthew chapter 13. So let's read. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Father, I do pray for just that. Let him who has ears to hear what you would have for us to understand. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time, Father, that as we gather this morning, Lord, we are here to hear from you. There, are, there is your word that's going to be spoken and explained and taught, Father. I pray that through the teaching of this parable, Father, that all of us would glean from it that which you would have for us to glean, to understand, to apply to our lives to your glory. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning we've come to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 13. We find Jesus teaching parables and what we have is one of Jesus' most well-known parables, the parable of the soils or the parable of of the sower. And I understand many Bibles will title this section the parable of the sower, but what what I want to point out is the main subject of this text. Not necessarily the sower himself, for he desires that really we understand what it's all about. The subject is the soil On this day, Jesus used the boat as a platform, the sea as a backdrop, the beach as the amphitheater, and the fields around them as the perfect setting to teach the people something supernatural from what they experienced naturally every day. What they were familiar with was about to potentially lead them to learn something they were unfamiliar with regarding the Word of God. Otherwise, if they understood it, he wouldn't be teaching. He would discern that they knew The soil is something that the farmers of Jesus' time knew was important to tend to, to prepare in order to maximize the production of crops, to 
to yield abundantly, right? They, they knew that that was very important. And what Jesus was teaching about were the soils that the seed would fall on and how they would produce or perhaps not produce. It was a parable that was very basic, and understood by all in that day. There wasn't one person that didn't understand what farming was all about. They saw it before them all every, every day. Every time that they went to market, every time that they went to a, a, a friend's home, they saw the farmers in the fields preparing, sowing, harvesting. And I pray that just as the hearers of the parable in that day were given the opportunity to understand the importance of making sure the soil of their hearts were tended to, because that's what this parable is all about, that we ourselves also understand the importance of making sure that the soil of our hearts are tended to and ready to receive the word of God so as to be able to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, that you understand the importance of making sure the soil of your hearts are tended to in such a way that those things are possible. For with God, there's nothing that's impossible. All things are possible. Please pay attention, I pray, to the description of the soils upon which some of the seed fell and also, also what the desirable soil is and what happens there. That's really important. As, as we come, it's like, okay, so we know the soils and, and we start thinking about how these soils, oh, well, well that's so-and-so and that's someone else. Honey, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, no, we shouldn't be nudging, pinching, nodding, winking, and thinking in our hearts of someone else. You're here to receive from the Lord that which he has to speak to you about, not to anyone else. Pray that they would come next time, perhaps, and invite them, bring them, and let them hear for themselves what the Lord has for them. But for this morning, I just ask that you would pay attention, close attention to the description of these various soils upon which the seed of God fell, and how it is that perhaps in some way, shape, or form, the Word of God has fallen on that type of soil in your heart, and what is the preferable soil. So, the parable starts out in the first nine verses as we read. Verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And he starts out this way. We could just imagine the whole scene. Jesus came out for the day. Great crowds surrounded him gathered about him, and he seized the moment and taught, pushing the boat out into the sea, out on the water. He had a great view of all the people in the fields around him too and around them. Perhaps Jesus even had a view of a farmer who was sowing in his own field. A farmer who sowed would have plowed and prepared the land to receive the seed with rows of raised ground and furrows along which to walk and sow. This farmer would have a leather pouch with a strap around him with seed in that pouch that was readily available that he could sow the seed into the ground from. 
to drop it into the soil. And Jesus is teaching them to understand something they don't presently understand through something that was very common and understood by all. Jesus starts with something they can see and moves to something they cannot see. Something natural to something supernatural. From something that is common to something that is uncommon. It's spiritual and profound. And there are many lessons even around us that we can say can be used as parables to teach something that is heavenly and supernatural. It's all around us. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with each other. There are things that happen to you on a regular basis that can, that can teach you some pretty profound and spiritual things. But these are the soils that they were familiar with. Uh, in verse 4, it says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Along the path, the wayside, or the beaten path. These were pathways that were used to walk on. Um, historical records tell us that these pathways that people frequented on were about three feet wide, and they were used to go around the fields and travel from place to place. They were beaten down, they were dry, they were hard. It was hard ground. And these were used primarily and exclusively because they wanted to maximize the amount of land that was farmed. And so they would stay to those paths, the people would. Again, they were hard and dry due to the constant passing of travelers. And it was common knowledge that nothing would grow there. Nothing at all, because the ground was too hard and nothing would penetrate. You've all seen trails. You can, you can see them up in the hills in certain areas to where it's like, wow. So, so you could see the, the, the switchbacks up in the hill where the hills where it is that um, maybe some, some mountain goats or, or even smaller ones, rabbits, you know, that, that they would use often. And so they're the beaten path, very hard, dry ground, packed really hard. Hardly anything, if anything, can grow on those paths. And that is what the Lord is describing here. When seed fell there, the birds could easily come and pick it off the surface. They'd fall. They wouldn't penetrate. They'd be on the surface. For a farmer, by the way, birds are no good. That's why uh, you, you, you see, and I don't know if they still have them, uh, but there are these things called scarecrows, right, that they put in the middle of the fields uh, to kind of shoo away the, the birds because they would come and, and pick at the crops and um, they would devour that which was supposed to be produced for, for us, for you and I. And then there was the rocky ground. Verses 5 and 6 says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Now, this does not mean that this was just an area off to the side to where it was just like full of rocks. I mean, it was the farmer's uh, job to till the ground and to make sure that, that he would remove all the rocks from the soil. But we're not talking about the pile of rocks that were off to the side that the farmer had removed. Rather, this was something that they were familiar with in that day. There was a, a, a limestone kind of a, an area beneath the soil that was very hard, that was almost just impenetrable. And it lied below the soil. 
A farmer would do his best to plow the field well, but there were some areas that he just could not penetrate. The seed was known to fall there, spring up quickly, but since it couldn't drive the roots deep, but rather it hit that, that, uh, that level of hard rock, limestone, when the sun came, the shallow roots would dry up and the plant itself would wither and die. So that was very well known in that day. But then there was a seed that fell among the thorns. In verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. As much as the farmer worked to remove all the weeds from the field, it was impossible to remove them all. Um, have you ever gardened? <laughs> Is it possible to remove all the weeds? You try to. By the way, just don't, don't just cut the tops, right? Because you know what happens? It seems like they come up like stronger and bigger. and it's, it's close to impossible to remove all the weeds, isn't it? These weeds or thorns would grow in the same soil as the crop. They take the moisture and nourishment from the soil, and because they grow quickly and have large leaves, they block out the sun of these fragile young plants, and they die. These weeds restrict the good seed's roots, block its sunlight, and drink up its moisture, and every farmer knew this to be true. They knew that this was going to happen. Well, then there was the good soil. Verse 8 other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. What's good soil? Well, for the farmer, he knew that it was soil that was full of nutrients, um, weed-free, fertile, just good soil like that. The normal crop in that area in Jesus' day was, do you think it was thirty-fold? 60-fold, 100-fold? Or do you think that that would be abnormal? Very abnormal, right? In fact, that is, that is beyond imagination. A, a decent crop in that day would be about 7.5-fold. A 10-fold crop would be very, very good. That would be absolutely amazing. So what Jesus is teaching, what he is presenting here is a parable with hyperbole. It's exaggerated, right? To the point to where it's like, please understand, hear what I'm saying, okay? Remember what I said, though. What's impossible with man is possible with God. What he desires to do, can do, and will do, no man can stop. So, Jesus closes this part and moves on to the purpose of the parables. With these words, he who has ears, let him hear. What this means is that there's a deeper meaning that needs to be understood, especially as he gives that last portion in good soil. Oh, that crop will yield 30, 60, 100 fold. It's like, okay, so listen up. There's a deeper meaning here. Do you know what I'm talking about? It should raise your awareness, kind of, coming to that place of being attentive. What, what's he saying? What did he say? I want to I know the meaning of this. In verse 10, he goes on, And then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. 
For to the one who has more will be given, and he, who, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So, this is... um, parenthetical, you could say, kind of something that is um, given to his disciples uh, before Jesus continues in his teaching to the rest of the people. Remember that he had an abundance of people around him, crowds around him. He was on this boat still. He was teaching the people. And his disciples asked him this. He was about to explain exactly what the parable meant. He He was going to interpret his parable. But the parable teaches one main point or principle. A parable is not an allegory, which has many details, many of which mean something, and it's not only to be read, but also to be studied. That's an allegory. But this is more of, hey, Jesus is driving home one specific principle, one specific point to the people, and they were to hear, they were to understand this point. The disciples were wondering and asked why it was that Jesus spoke to the other disciples in this manner. Those who were closest to him were asking, why do you talk to the crowds in this way? Why do you speak to them in parables? Simply said, the Lord used these parables to give understanding to those who desired to listen and understand. But to those who did not desire to listen and understand, then their hearts would not be hardened any further. Um, And that's one line of thought. I believe even through that, that as you come to not understand, many things I believe are exposed in our hearts, many of which expose a a laziness to the Word of God, a lack of desire to truly know the truth, to genuinely know the truth. But one of the thoughts is that he spoke in parables so that those who did not understand would not have their hearts hardened any further. It is said that the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. And I've seen how the same gospel that softens the hearts of some hardens the hearts of others. The more they're exposed to the gospel, the more the effects of it on their hearts is revealed. It's it's strange to me. It's really strange. It's like, man, I mean, you get the word and you read it, you meditate on it, you come to understand it as you study it. And some people, you could see, they just continue to get softer and softer, more pliable. The humility just comes out. And then still others, it's, it's odd. That same word. Are you in the word? Yes, I'm in the word. You're reading it daily. Yes, I'm reading it daily. And I'm so angry. And I'm so bitter. And I'm so critical of others. And I'm this and I'm that. It's like, I don't understand. You know God's character. 
How can that be? How can it? How can a Christian read as he, our Lord, taught the disciples how to pray and not understand that we've been forgiven of much and yet purposefully and deliberately deny forgiveness to someone else? How, how is that? When we are not to be bitter in our hearts and we feel like we're somehow rightful in remaining bitter and even angered toward other people. How, how is that? I, I don't understand. It's the same gospel. It's the same word of God. It should be softening the wax. It should be softening our hearts, not hardening our hearts toward anybody and toward anything. And we should be praising the Lord with great joy and with thankfulness, knowing his grace and knowing that this life, this isn't everything right here. Beyond this life is eternal life, enjoying it in the glory of God for all eternity. This is not our home. We're pilgrims. We're passing through. Let's glorify the Lord as his ambassadors to a, a world that's in need of the gospel, of understanding not only God's forgiveness, but also how to live an abundant life in Christ. That's what they need to see. These parables weren't illustrations that made difficult things clear to everyone, but rather stories that would explain things to those who were spiritually sensitive, aware and interested in understanding further. Are, are you interested in understanding further? The deep things of God, the things that he has for you and I. Let him who has an ear hear what the Lord has to say. But for those who were spiritually lazy, uninterested, or just blinded by their own false interpretation of Scripture, the truth would be concealed from them because they really do not desire to see the truth for what it is. We read that in verses 13 through 15. As Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. That's really what his desire was, but the truth of the matter is that there are people who really are uninterested in hearing the things that God has for them. Again, it's baffling. I don't understand it. I really don't. When God is really uh, reaching forth with his hand and offering forgiveness and his grace, and it's just beyond comprehension. But blessed is the person who sees and hears with understanding the truth of God's word with its interpretation. The interpretation, verse 18, as we continue. Hear then the parable of the sower, as Jesus continues to teach. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, 
This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. We each bear the name of Christ, those who are in Christ, and we belong to him. If we have indeed come to believe in him and know eternal life in him. With that said, he is the one who initially sows. He is the word of God. In the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right? And so he is the sower. We are Jesus's co-laborers. It's amazing that we could even be in, in, considered in that way, but we are his co-laborers. It's amazing. We are considered his ambassadors, and we are to teach, and we are to preach, and we are to lead others with the sowing of the word of God and pray it does its effective work in the lives of the people we share the word of God with. We ask God to prepare the hearts of the people. Every morning before service, uh, in the back room, there's a group of people who gather together and it does not fail. Every morning we're asking, Lord, prepare the hearts of the people that are going to come to hear your word. Prepare their hearts to receive it. To receive it well. And I would encourage you to ask that very same thing as you go about your day in the morning when you get up and, and you pray and you seek the Lord. Ask Him to not only prepare your heart, not only to remind you of the word but also to prepare the hearts of all the people that you're going to be coming in contact with, that they would be ready to receive the word of God. And so we ask God to prepare the hearts of people, and we join in that work as well in one way or another. And then we sow, and we sow, and we sow. We're like that farmer in the field May we never neglect that work of sowing the seed, sowing the word of God. Being out there in the field, a worker who is willing and ready with pouch in hand, filled with God's word, his seed, and just spreading it on the ground. And always asking the Lord, just prepare the hearts. Prepare the hearts to receive your word. Where does it fall? Well, the Lord Jesus explains these things Jesus interprets the parable. Verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, the wayside, the beaten path, to the person who never understands the word of God. And the, the, the seed really never really penetrates the heart. I explained to you the illustration that was part of the parable of that beaten path, it's hard, it's dry. It doesn't have any moisture. It's there and the seed falls on it and it just doesn't grow. It's easy for the birds to come along and snatch 
that seed right up. It's right on the surface. It's never penetrated the heart. And since Satan doesn't want the seed to remain there, the seed gets snatched up in one way or another. Be it from another non-believing friend, co-workers that will mock and pluck the word of God right out from the surface of your heart. It's a hard heart, and it's just right there. It's like, yeah, I mean, you've been given the word. It's been sown. But that's a hard beaten path. That's a callous and hard heart. It's just laying there. And it's just open for those mockers and those who would make fun and just to pull it right out. Gone. As if it was never sown to begin with. Not only do they not understand, but they don't think for themselves considering what they've heard. I, I pray that for anyone that receives the word, even this morning, that it, it wouldn't just be take like, all oh, right, I'm here to check something off. It's the beginning of the year and here we go, you know, kind of a thing. I pray that you would think for yourself. That you wouldn't listen to the mockers. Those that tell you that, oh, that's outdated and that's just not today and who do you think you are? You know, I... Have you ever had that happen to you? You're so high and mighty. You know, you, it's like, well, well, I'm high and mighty. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But sometimes there's conviction that comes just by knowing that you just uh, you don't, don't do certain things that the world does. You know? Think for yourself. Understand what pleases the Lord. And stand on the truth. But this is what happened. He explained this. Jesus explained the sowing of the seed on that beaten path. Secondly, the rocky ground. Verse 20 and 21 speaks to that. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So rocky ground, rocky ground, like under the surface. The soil may look really good on top, but kind of under the surface, there's this hard limestone, this rock that can't be penetrated. Receives the word of God with great joy and enthusiasm, just like shoots like a rocket. Oh man, this is great. For a week, two weeks, Three weeks, a month. He's here. He's in ministry. Look at him go. He's in Bible study. He's doing everything. He can't get enough of church and fellowship and just getting into the word. But because the word of God has been sown on rocky ground, the roots don't tap deeply and gain strength. And when the person is victimized, oppressed, or mistreated for their faith, and they come across some type of suffering or trouble, the great joy and enthusiasm is short-lived, and they fall away. They're confronted. They're challenged. There's no taproot. There's nothing that's driven down deep. So just like that plant, that was the sun came and scorched it, and it withered away because it had no root. The same happens with the person 
who has no taproot. There's, there's nothing that is driven down deep. Just remember that it isn't sudden growth that is important, but more so that the roots tap deeply into the soil, that the word of God would reach deep into our hearts. That will give us strength to endure days of tribulation and persecution. By the way, this tribulation and persecution can come from within the church just as much as it can come from without the church. Uh, we can have something happen within the church to where we're challenging our faith in how it is that we are standing with the Lord and that can serve as something from within that causes us to fall away. Stand strong. Holy be given to the Lord and follow him. And then there's the seed that fell among the thorns. Verse 22, as Jesus continues to teach, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This isn't the persecution or tribulation that one would expect come directly at him. This is just the things of the world. The things that are common to us day in and day out. The worries that come our way, money, they can choke the life out of the believer. Right out of them. Have you ever seen that happen? Has it happened to you? I've seen it happen time and time again. Just, just the things of the world, um, uh, the things that we are, are responsible for and tend to, instead of driving us to the Lord and bringing us closer to Him, it, it just chokes the life out of us. These weeds, by the way, that we have around us, they kind of look like they belong. Okay? Hey, listen, this is everyday life. We need to, um, you know, just kind of tolerate them. And pay attention to them too. But they choke the life out of the believer. Two things that Jesus points out here. Number one, the cares of the world. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. Both of these, he is saying, Jesus is saying, God is saying, chokes the word and the word proves unfruitful. It's like the seed is there. It's been sown. And yes, God, God's word, if it penetrates good soil will bring forth great yield, great fruit. But, but what happens with the word when it doesn't penetrate? I mean, we can name it and claim it all we want, but it just ain't going nowhere. You're looking for a fruit that's other than spiritual. You're looking for something for you personally and not to the glory of God. A lot of people today are looking for their own glory. Their, their, their own glory, um, just, take a look, just take a peek at social media. It's all for your glory. And there's, there's people who are gurus in this and how it is to market yourself and make yourself the person who you really are not. And then everyone else is depressed. Well, so-and-so has 2,000 likes and I have two. <laughs> You're constantly looking at Instagram, you know, Right? It, it's all about the person. And it's not about the Lord. It's deceitful. These are the cares of the world. Of the world. James 4.4 4 says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Right? So we should be pecu uh, peculiar people. 
a separated people, a consecrated people unto the Lord. Although we could use those things as tools, may they never become idols and become the very things that identify who we are. We are identified in Jesus Christ. But listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 34, says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, isn't it? It's like, okay, so today. That doesn't mean neglect the future, don't plan, don't take care of your family. It's not saying that. Making a point again. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't, Don't worry. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Jot that down. The troubles in our lives... And the riches are both deceitful and they can choke the life out of the word of God that has been sown into our lives. Leave this morning and focus on all the cares of your life and your bank account and fail to stay in God's word and you will be sure. This is a recipe to live an example of this type of soil that the word of God falls on. You'll be sure to exemplify it. And I say, don't don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to the good soil. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The good soil is a soil that is free from weeds, whose roots are driven deep, who has understanding of the word of God and is conscientious about those things that can choke out the life out of that which has been planted in their hearts. It's like you can't be tolerant of the weeds. Too many people are tolerant of the weeds. Let them grow around us. It's all right. No. A good farmer tends to the soil and gets those weeds out of there. Get them out. Don't don't leave them there. They're going to choke the life out of you. Bad company corrupts Good morals. So you know the scripture, right? What is that? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Get the weeds out. Good soil is soil that's free of weeds, whose roots are driven deep, who has understanding of the word of God and is conscientious about those things that can choke the life out of that which has been planted in their hearts. This is a person who receives the word of God with great joy, meditates on the word of God as the psalmist did in Psalm 1 so that it will penetrate their heart, and when they are mistreated and suffer for their faith, they don't waver. This person pays attention and avoids those things that can distract them from what is divinely, spiritually important. It's this person whose life yields much fruit, a hundred, sixty, maybe thirty. In any one of those three examples, I don't believe it's a hyperbole, I don't believe it's exaggerated because Jesus said to the person who has faith, oh, what you've seen is nothing. 
you're going to do so much more. What is that? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just being faithful to the Lord and blessing him by just coming alongside and serving him in whatever he has for us. In any case, the Lord desires that the seed would fall on good soil, that it would spring up and produce much fruit beyond what would be normally expected. But it takes a heart that is ready to receive. So in closing, I want to ask you some questions. How's your heart? Is it unbelieving? I pray that you allow God to soften it. Is it barely hanging on with roots that are shallow? Has your faith been challenged and you are failing to stand for your faith before others? I pray that you go deeper with God, spending time in his word, on your knees in prayer, hand to hand and shoulder to shoulder in fellowship with others, serving him. Is your heart consumed with worries? The lack of or the abundance of money. I pray that you come to understand that God is greater than your worries. He's greater than your money. That's not where it's all at. They are both deceiving you and making you deviate from who is more important in your life. I pray and hope that your hearts receive the word of God and you yield much fruit to God's glory. And I know, because Jesus taught it, that that's what he desires and that you will be blessed for it. It's like there's nothing more fulfilling, there's nothing better than to know that you are smack dab in the middle of God's will, standing in the truth, in having a certain hope. There's nothing better. Now, you, you can have all things, the storms of life just ravaging you. And people wondering, how in the world, how in the world are, are you like st staying the course the way you are? You're, you're, not, you're not complaining. Uh, you're not blaming everyone. Uh, you're just continuing to praise the Lord. Um, you, you just, you don't miss to encourage you with the word of God. You, you're, you're so filled with joy. What, what's wrong with you? Right? Have you been taking that little blue pill? No. Just the Spirit of God. That's it. It's just the Spirit of God. It's the fact that we've allowed the Lord to till, to tend, to take care of the soil. And when His Word is sown into our hearts... It produces a great yield. It produces the fruit of the Spirit. And it glorifies our Father who is in heaven. And I pray that your life would reflect just that. Father, we are so thankful for this lesson. Oh Lord Jesus, you taught this over 2,000 years ago. Lord, as you, as you sat in that boat and the multitudes were standing on the beach, just listening to you, your heart was longing for them. You wished that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
that they would recognize perhaps their hearts that weren't the good soil, but perhaps were one of the others. The cares of the world, uh, persecution and tribulation or unbelief was just plaguing them and it was, it was choking the seed right out of their hearts. And I can't help but think that this lesson is for us today with the same desire that we would come to trust in you, to walk with you, and to know that a heart that is pliable and open to you is ready to receive your word, that you desire to produce a great crop, great abundance of fruit in that heart and in that, in that life. Again, to your glory, just expressing a life that is thankful, is joyful, and knows you intimately and personally. And so, Father, I pray that for my brothers and sisters, that you would bless them, Father. Pour your spirit out upon them and anoint them, and I pray that you would soften them with that, with that oil, that you would open up their eyes to see their ears to hear, and that they would receive that which the Spirit has to say to them. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.